Open your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Joshua 24, 15 is where we're going to be at. Now, I know what you're saying. We were there last week, and you are absolutely right. And uh, basically, uh, I thought we might end uh, the series in Joshua last week, but we really did not have much of an opportunity to uh, look at two words in uh, Joshua 24, 15. Uh, we mentioned them, uh, but we really didn't have a time to get into them. So I decided to come back, and we're just going to spend today uh, just wrapping up the book of Joshua, looking at those two words. The two words are my house, okay? And so uh, we really uh, spent most of our time last last week looking at, you know, choose this day whom you will serve, uh, turning away from idols, kind of that whole uh, commission of Joshua to the people of Israel. But we, we want to look at uh, just that little phrase, my house, today. And so what I'd like to do is read Joshua twenty four fifteen. We read really the whole chapter last week. Uh, we're just going to read that one verse again, and then we'll jump back in and look at that particular phrase uh, more diligently this morning. Okay, so that's what we're doing. So if you'd like to stand while we read Joshua 24, 15, you can. If, if you don't feel that you can stand, don't worry about that at all. Uh, no problems at all. Uh, but some folks like to stand when we read the Word of God, so if you would, you can. And I'm going to read Joshua 24, 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me... And then particularly, my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, we ask for your help today in bringing our families to come to see and know your glory. Father, we love our, our parents and brothers and sisters, spouse, children, grandchildren. Father, it's, it's our deep desire that they would would follow you. And so God, I pray that you might encourage our hearts today with the work of your Holy Spirit who is able to make alive dead hearts. And God, that you'd make us part of that. God, stir our hearts to, to do something today to impact our family for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, you remember the context that that comes in. So Joshua is about to die, and he's gathered all of Israel to Shechem, and he reviews for them all the glorious things that God has done uh, in bringing them to that place and to the promised land. Even being in Shechem is really significant because that's where, where Abraham first received the promise for the promised land. Now, God has fulfilled his, his word, and they're there. And so he gathers all of Israel and, and, and calls on them to put away their idols and and to, to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord, to give their lives to the Lord. And so in the context of that, I guess, speech or that sermon or that call, he adds in that as for him, so him personally, he's going to turn away from idols, he's going to serve the Lord, he's going to worship the Lord alone, but then he adds, as for me and my house. In other words, Joshua is going to bring his family with them, with him in, in, in worship and, and in in glorifying the Lord with their lives. Now, I believe it's the heartbeat of every born-again believer. I, I do not know of one exception to this, okay? But I believe it's, it's the heartbeat of every born-again believer 
that they want to bring their family to Christ, okay? Uh, I, I really have never met somebody who I, I was convinced was joined to the resurrected Jesus in a faith relationship who did not desperately want their children to come to Christ or their parents to come to Christ or their brother or their sister or their, their aunt or their uncle or grandparents or whoever those significant family members were that, that, that didn't want them to be joined to the resurrected Christ and to live forever in the new heavens and the new earth. I can tell you as a dad that that that, that is my greatest desire. Like, I, 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 that's, that's top on my list. I want my wife and my children more than anything else to be joined to Jesus, to be disciples who make disciples. That is the dream and the passion of my heart, and I think you want that as well. You should want that. It is biblical for you to want that, okay? When Moses is preaching the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy if you remember, the whole book of Deuteronomy is basically a series of sermons getting them ready to go into the promised land. It's the second time when that happens. So they came the first time. They wouldn't trust Christ. They wouldn't believe uh, the word of God. They wouldn't believe God to go into the land. So they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. During that 40 years, Moses preaches the book of Deuteronomy. And in that book, there's this great chapter, chapter 6. We're going to look at it in more in depth here in about 20 minutes, okay? But, but at the beginning of chapter 6, he, he says this. He says that you may fear the Lord your God... You and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Now, now the thing that I like about that is that Moses is telling them, I I want you to serve the Lord. I want you to keep his commandments. But I I want you to aim at your son keeping God's commandments and your son's son, your grandson keeping God's commandments. In other words, there's a generational aim here. There's an aiming not only at our own life and that of our children, but even our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Now, here's the hard reality of that. There's not one of us in this room that can make our children, our parents, our brothers, our sisters believe. Um, we cannot do that. We, we understand theologically, right? We understand that what the Bible tells us is that all mankind, which includes your children, my children, your parents, my parents, all mankind is broken in sin, right? That's what we read. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. We also read that, that that sin nature doesn't mean that we're just broken. It means that. It, it doesn't mean that we're just inclined the wrong way. We're bent toward putting everything before God. That, that's true. But what Ephesians 2 tells us is that that means we enter into this world spiritually dead. Ephesians 2.1 says, and you are dead in your sins and transgressions. Dead. Now, now, praise God, here's what we know, God raises dead, right? God raises the dead. Uh, not only the physically dead, but also the spiritually dead. We know that regeneration is what happens when a person is joined by faith to the resurrected Jesus Christ. But we also know that that's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? I, I mean, I wish it was my work. I, I, I wish that I could do that, but I, actually, I, I don't. I'm not better that God that the, that, or I'm not better that, at that than God would be, obviously. But, but, but we want to have you know that ability to make our kids and our, our parents, our family believe. But that that is the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring people to life. But that doesn't mean that we do nothing. In fact, I, I've been telling people all morning uh, in the other two services, that's my goal for the sermon. Is, and I know you may be saying, man, you're sitting the bar really low here. But my goal is that everybody in all three services would just leave here determined to do something. 
right? That there wouldn't be anybody who goes out of here and does nothing. That, that's really the goal of, of this sermon today, is that, is that we would do something. We would realize that though regeneration and salvation, that's a work of God, but yet God in his sovereignty has said, it's going to come through the spoken word of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, right? That's what Romans 10 tells us, and hearing by the word of Christ. In other words, we have a huge role in, in displaying Christ and, and in, in our life and our words and our witness, pointing our family to Jesus. And I think Joshua did that in an amazing way. So, so let's look at him this morning. That we're, we're just going to look at, at how Joshua was able to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will worship the Lord. All right, so how, how was he able to do that? Well, point number one, okay? I think I got six points for you today. Point number one is Joshua clearly articulates a vision and direction for his family. Okay, Joshua clearly articulates a vision and direction for his family. As we read this passage, as we kind of hear him culminate, for as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you remember, we looked at that word serve last week. It does mean to kind of serve God in, in, a, in a missional sense, but, but it also clearly has the connotation of worshiping God. In other words, Joshua is saying, my family, we're going to be worshipers. We're, we are going to do what we were created to do, which is give glory and honor to God with our life and our words and our service and our mission. We are going to live trusting and in obedience to the truth of God. And I love how Joshua takes the initiative to communicate his convictions to his family, actually to all of Israel, but particularly to his family. In other words, Joshua was not a guy who pinballed through life. You know what it means to pinball through life, right? You ever, y'all, y'all remember the pinball machines? You know, everybody under like 25 is like, no, I never heard of that, you know? But pinball machines, you know, you, you, you shoot the little ball through there and it goes up and it just reacts, right? It's just like, bam, you know? Something happens and bam, it gets thrown over here and bam, it gets thrown over here and bam, you know? It's just being knocked around by life, okay? Joshua was not a guy that just pinballed through life. Joshua was a guy that said, all right, I am going that direction. I'm going right there. I'm, I'm going to be a worshiper of God. I'm going to put away the idols. We're going to live in covenant faithfulness to God, and I'm going to communicate that clearly to my family, and I'm going to bring them with me. Joshua took the initiative in that. He was not a guy that was just trying to get through the day or through the week or living for the weekend. Or He wasn't the, the leave me alone, I've had a hard day dad. He wasn't the dad that's, the dream was to get in his recliner and Monday night football. No, 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 he had a higher vision for his family and his kids did not have to wonder at what their dad their grandpa thought about life someday we're gonna die and i've done enough of these that i know what's gonna happen a pastor is gonna come to your house and you're gonna plan the funeral and if he's anything like what i do i'm I'm assuming most guys do about what i do is we want to hear what the family says about this loved one. You, you would be the people or your family is going to be the people that knew you better than anybody knew you in your life. And when that pastor says, tell me, what was grandpa, grandma, mom, dad, brother, sister, what were they like? What were they passionate about? What, what drove them? What did they always say to you? What, 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 what characterizes their life? What will they say? You see, here's the cool thing. We have the opportunity to change that right now, right? 
Like if, if, if you're thinking and you're saying, okay, what would my kids say? You know, and if it's something like, clean your room, you slob. You know, if it's something like that. Like you, you got an opportunity to change that. You have an opportunity to make that something different. Something better. And Joshua was really clear in communicating what he wanted for his family. My favorite Andy Stanley quote, use it in every premarital counseling session that I do. Uh, as, kid, as young people are going to get married or sometimes older people are going to get married. Um, Andy Stanley said this in the book Visionary. He said, everybody gets somewhere in life and a few people get there on purpose. On purpose. I think it is a fantastic thing to live your life on purpose. In other words, not just reacting, but actually saying, this is what the Bible tells me I am to be. This is what the Bible tells me that he has done and that he wants me to do and that my family's supposed to do. And so here is the clear vision for my life. This is the direction that I'm going. And I'm going to clearly articulate that to my family. Man, your family should know what their identity is in Christ. They should know the clear dangers and consequences of idolatry. Man, Joshua made that super clear. You, all you got to do is read chapter 23 and 24, and you realize this guy clearly communicated the direction that he sought his family to go. He communicated what they needed to love best, which was God. E- even above one another. Like, you, you love God first. If you don't love God first, then, then whatever you're loving first is an idol. And, th- and that idol actually hinders you from loving everything else rightly. Remember last week we looked in the New Testament where Jesus talked about that count the cost thing. And, and, and he said, man, you, you got to love me more than you love your family. If you don't love me more than you love your family, then that, that puts everything out of whack. You're actually not able to love your family as you ought to if you make them God. And Joshua lived and spoke and clearly communicated a vision and a direction for his family. It's called leading, isn't that? Isn't that what leading's called? Leading is when you say, all right, here, I mean, some of you are going to do this here in a minute, right? You're going to be going out, you're going to have a little family meeting. I see the Benson's doing this every, every week. You know, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? You know, and, and somebody's got to take charge, right? Somebody's got to say, we are going to Taco Mayo, you know, or we are going to Brahms. We are going to, you know, we're going here. Yeah, meet us there, you know. That's leadership, right? Some of you do that really well when food is involved, all right? But what I'm asking you to do is can you do that? With Jesus, right, family, here is where we're going. And here's how we're getting there. And you follow me, because I'm going there too. Number two, Joshua makes it clear that it's impossible without the Lord. Okay, now, we, we said all that I'm about to say last week, but it's one of those things where this is the thing that you say every week, okay? So do you remember what happened in Joshua 24, choose this day whom you'll serve, right? He gives that great command, and the people all rally together, and they say, Joshua, we will serve the Lord. And do you remember what Joshua said, right? You remember, right? What did he say? You can't, right? He said, you're not able. God is a holy God. That's what he said. And where is that? That's um, verse uh, 19. You're not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. So he just tells them, choose this day who you'll serve. And he says, you're not able. Remember, there's two things that we learned about that. Number one is he's calling on them to count the cost. He goes ahead and says, you know, know, do you realize here's the cost of what you're committing to? Jesus does the same thing in the New Testament. He calls people to come and die. He says, come after me, deny yourself, follow me, and here's the cost. All right, but the second thing we saw was that really is a foreshadowing of the gospel. Because here's the gospel. The gospel is you can't be good enough. 
right? Like you can't. You're like, well, I'm going to try. Okay, but you can't. You won't. You're not able. You got, you got to do what? You got to trust Jesus. God knew you're not able, so he sent a Messiah. He, God sent his own son to live the perfect life, the one that you and I haven't lived, and then to die a brutal, punishing death on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And then God rose him from the dead so that if we will repent of our sins and put our faith in him, we can be joined to Jesus. And when you're joined to Jesus, then his righteousness flows into your account. And your sin is put on him. And you are righteous with his righteousness. That's the beauty of the gospel, my friends. And here, here's what I believe. I, I believe that if you're going to be like Joshua, if we're, we're going to say, as for me and my house, we, we've got to be people who communicate clearly the gospel. I love what Joshua says in verse 23. He says, put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord. Put, put away whatever you're trusting in, whatever idols are in your life, whatever you're giving your attention and, and energy to, trusting that it's going to satisfy your soul. Put that away and bend your heart to the Lord. Essentially, we're, we're, we're receiving a foreshadowing of the gospel there. We need to relentlessly speak the gospel to our house. You know, the, the great thing about the more you talk about the gospel, the easier it becomes and the more it just flows into every corner of your life. I had a guy last night, needed to borrow something from me. I, I know him just barely. Um, came by my house late at night, just going through a rough time. We got the borrowing thing done. He brought it back. I'm standing on my front porch, or my front yard actually with him. And, and, he, and he says to me, he makes this statement, man, I'm really trying to get my life together. And so I followed Joshua's cue and I said, you can't do it. No, I didn't really say that. But, <laughs> but I, I did tell him this. I said, well, let me tell you how I think about it. I said, I know that my life isn't together. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm broken. But I know that God sent his son Jesus to die for my sins. And he lived the perfect life. And he's raised from the dead. And I have put my faith in him. And I believe, neighbor, that his righteousness is in me. We had a little conversation. And he left. Man, when you start talking about the gospel, you know what you do? You find all kinds of, time, all kinds of opportunities to talk about it. And if we're going to say, as for me and my house, one of the most impactful things you can do is talk about the gospel. Man, don't, don't leave your kids with this aftertaste of, hey, be a good person. Do good things. Like sometimes if all you, you know, if you're one of those dads that you're just a hammer, you know, clean your room, pick up your shoes. Don't steal a second base when you can't make it. You know, I mean, it's just, if it's just all that stuff, which is true stuff, and I'm not saying don't say it. But, but don't leave them with, with this taste that, all right, what, what dad's vision for me is do your best, be good. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you're busted and broke. Put your whole trust in Jesus and follow him. Number three, Joshua is calling other people to follow God not just his family. Now, why is that important? Um, that's important 
for a couple reasons, okay? So, so think, about, think about what Joshua's kids and grandkids hear, okay? So obviously, he's saying that's for me and my house. So he's, he's communicated this clearly to them. They've had lots of talks about what it means to put away the idols and follow God, all right? So, so imagine them, them there gathered at Shechem, okay? So 24.1 says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and some were the elders and the heads and the judges and the officers of Israel, and they all presented themselves before God. So all of Israel's there. So you got to know, Joshua's son is there. Probably what? He's 110 at this point. So Joshua's, man, Joshua's son's probably in his 80s, right? You know? And then probably his grandson, who's maybe in his 60s, 50s, right? Probably another grand, great-grandson after that. maybe. So those guys are all in the crowd there. And they all hear, Grandpa, look down at all the elders of Israel and say, you got to love God. you got to put away your idols. you got to incline your heart. And they're hearing him say the same things that he's told them to everybody else. You, you know what I think is not as impactful? But, but we're often tempted to do this. We like to gather our chicks together, right? Gather our family all and keep them real tight. Kind of get them a huddle here and gospel, 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 gospel. But they don't ever see us go to the neighbor with the gospel or go to the post guy. Or go to the mechanic. Or go to the friends we go to the lake with. You know what? Your kids are smart. And, and you know what happens? Pretty soon they, they start asking themselves, you know what? If, if this is so important, why doesn't mom and dad ever talk to anybody else about it? If, if they, they talk to us about it all the time, but, but they don't ever talk... To, well, See, that, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. But I tell you what, if, if your kids see you sharing with neighbors, friends, extended family, man, you know what they say? And this is important, mom and dad. They believe this gospel stuff. So Joshua was able to say, as for me and my house, because he's lived that out. He, is, he has followed the Lord in all the areas of his life. Number four. Very similar point. Joshua models what he calls his family too. Man, can you imagine again, his children and grandchildren, they're, they're looking back at their grandpappy and he was one of two spies who in the first time coming to the promised land, one of only two, he and Caleb, who said, hey, we can trust God. We can trust God. Everybody else was saying, let's go back to Egypt. But Joshua was one of two who said, no, we can trust God. This family got to see the great gift of watching Joshua. They all had to see this, okay, unless they were under four or five. But they all got to see Joshua call all of Israel to cross the Jordan River at flood stage, a no-turning-back move to take the promised land. You know what? They all got to see Joshua announced to all of Israel that, all right, here's, the, here's our plan for Jericho. Here's our plan for this walled, fortified city. Guys, we're going to march around it for six days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to march around it. Nobody's going to say a word this whole time. And on the seventh day, the, the marching band is going to strike up the boomer fight song or whatever it was, you know. And they're, they're going to blow the trumpets and everybody's going to yell and the walls are going to come down. That's our plan. And they got, they got to hear that. And they got to hear the, probably the other folks saying, look, I don't know that that's ever in military history worked. And they got to hear their grandpa say, this is what God said. This is what we're going to do. 
Man, don't you know that was impactful? For kids to actually see this father, grandfather, trust God when no one else did, proclaim God's truth, put away idols, confront sin, cry out in repentance. They, they, they saw the day that after they got defeated by AI, they saw their granddad on his face before the altar from sunup to sundown all day long, crying out to God in repentance. Man, those things are impactful. Some of the things I want you to discuss in your small groups tonight, I just think these are good questions. Maybe I want you to discuss them this afternoon and then give a report to your small group. I think that would be really cool. What What is your family seeing in you? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't that be neat to think about? Wouldn't it be neat to ask your kids that? You're like, no, I don't want to ask them that, you know? <laughs> what have they seen? Now, I know they haven't seen you call, you know, the Israelites across the Jordan River or to, you know, march around Jericho, but what have they seen? Have they seen, man, Every morning when I get up and go for my fruity pebbles, dad's on his knees there in the study. My dad, man, he's, before he goes to bed at night, he's always in his Bible. Or man, when, when mom's freaking out about the bills, you know, dad's like, hey, let's just trust God. Let's, let's pray. Or man, when my neighbor was chewing out my mom, she turned the other cheek. We couldn't believe it. What, what have they seen? Oh, that's that's not the best question though is it because sermons like this you know what they you know what they do for me that kind of make me feel like ah oh, you know man i haven't done so here's the better question this this one's a good one what will they see huh because you you got complete control over that right so what you can determine right now what is my family going to see as i call them like joshua hey house we're gonna we're gonna follow the lord so what what are they what are they gonna see in your life number five joshua points them to the word of god so after this big call to choose to stay whom you'll serve you know you know what joshua does he, in verse 25 says joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at shechem and joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of god which is now your book of joshua so jo- joshua actually gave them the word of God. But you know, you know what's interesting when we think about Joshua's life is that we start out in chapter one. Do you remember when he gets commissioned? So Moses has been leading the Israelites. Moses dies and Joshua takes over. And when Joshua takes over, God tells him this thing. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law, this Bible, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. And so it's interesting to me that Joshua starts out his ministry by God saying, Joshua, you got to soak your mind in my truth and it's got to be on your mouth. That's that's how you're going to succeed. And then we end the book of Joshua. He's 110 years old. He's about to die. In chapter 24, and you know what chapter 24 starts out with? It starts out with Joshua summarizing the first five books of the Bible. Joshua 24, 3. I won't read it all, but here's how it starts. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. And I gave him Isaac, and Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. And Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward I brought it. He, he's, he is summarizing, you know, through the Lord. The Lord is speaking. He's summarizing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And half the book of Joshua. So, so in the beginning, God tells him, you're going to succeed 
by this book of the law being on your mouth. And at 110 years of age, what, what is he doing? He is speaking the story of God to the Israelites. Let's go back to that sermon that Moses preached in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's what Moses told them was the key ingredient to their longevity in the land. So, so remember Moses is saying, I want this for you, for your son, for your grandson, generation, 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 generation. What is going to be the key to that? Okay, Deuteronomy 6. So here, here's what he's telling them before they go in the promised land. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There are times where, you know what we need to do? We need to just be as specific and literal as possible in obeying what God just told us to do. I think verse 7 is one of those times. What did he say? He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You're going to love the Lord your God, and you're going to teach your children. What are you going to teach them this book? Okay, when? Let's look at verse 7. When you sit in your house. Now, where do you sit in your house? Some of you guys got man caves and, I don't know, sewing rooms and quilting areas and we don't have none of that okay we sit in the dining room when we eat so what did God just tell me to do when you sit down to eat Jason you need to talk about the word with your kids we sit in the living room that's where we I guess recline finish our day okay you need to talk about things of faith in the living room the other place we sit is the bathroom but I don't know I'm thinking Unfortunately, the kids are in there sometimes, like the little ones, you know, but living room and dining room. All right, let's be, let's obey, okay? What, what's next? Verse 7. So, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. Now, for us, we walk around our block pretty frequently, so I, when, when I'm walking, I need to talk to them about things of faith. Not, not the whole time. I don't think he's saying that. I don't think he's saying at the dinner table, you don't talk about anything else. But he's saying, seize those opportunities. All right, but, but remember that in Joshua's day, they walked everywhere. Anywhere they were going. All right, so, so I think the actual application there is in the car. In the car. So tomorrow I'll be in the car with my kids and I'll take them to school. And I need to talk to them about the scriptures. Keep going. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. When you lie down? Well, at nighttime. So the Bible just gave me a specific command that when my kids lie down, I should go in there and say something about God and His faithfulness and a verse or a prayer or something, right? Next, last thing, when you rise. When do you rise? In the morning, right? Unless you got teenagers... Sometimes the afternoon could be maybe, but most time it'd be in the morning, right? Breakfast, beginning your day. I should say something to them about the scriptures. You see, I think there are times where we just need to take that model and say, okay, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to do that. 
I mean, Bible says make disciples of all nations. How are you going to do that? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's them coming to know Jesus and making a profession of faith. But then it says teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. So I need to take all that he commanded and I need to communicate that to my kids. Now, I've told you, you remember this. My dad, uh, growing up, he, 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 was, he was a good dad and he taught me a lot of things. Um, but probably his most famous quote to us boys uh, lives on in infamy. We, we say it all the time, but it's very short, and it's, it's this. He would say to us, most of the time over the CB, when he would see us from afar, he would say, do something, okay? Do something, right? He didn't like you standing around. That was not his style. So, so do something, okay? So I, 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 would, I would make a case to you today that as we read this and as it's going through your mind, I'm not sure how to do that. I don't know if I can do that. I'm not a pastor. You know, I don't know exactly what to say. Here's what I would say. Just be obedient to the Lord and do something. What, what is that something? I don't actually, I believe in, the, who believes in the Holy Spirit? A couple of you? Okay, good. All right. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And you know what I believe? I, I believe that God will bless my efforts, right? He'll bless that. And so do something. What, what is something? Well, read through the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's fantastic. Little boy just left our Fifth Street service over there. He's carrying his little Jesus Storybook Bible. I said, hey, buddy, I love that. He's like, it's about Jesus. I was like, I know, I've read it, you know. <laughs> we gave it to you. you know? I, read through it. Read through it. Um, what else? Read through the book of Proverbs. That's been a big hit with my family. Use our DT method that we use in the mornings that we teach. If you don't know that method, come to me, Gary, Andrew, Daniel. We'll teach it to you. Sing the doxology. You know, I, I, I wanted our family to be a worshiping family, but that's kind of, I don't know, like bring, do you bring a hymnal home? I don't, what we settled on was one song, the doxology. We, we sing it, you know. Um, Memorize verses. Utilize car time. Man, the drive to school is an awesome time for us. Just to, here's our verses. Here's what we believe. Here's what we want to be reminded of. Okay? Uh, act out Bible stories using Barbies and army men. Man, we've done a lot of that. You know, you pick one to be Jonah, one to be the whale, you know, the tanks. Well, I, I don't know. Whatever to ca- capture their attention. Uh, get a map. Pray around the world. Use the catechism. I love the catechism. Uh, I'm, we're, we're going through Colt. I got, I think we're on like number five with Colt right now. Um, um, share your favorite verse, watch a sermon together online, discuss it, watch a veggie tale, talk about it. Man, we, we've done all those things. Here, you're like, well, I don't want to do any of that. Fine, do, yeah, yeah, like give it a try and ask the Holy Spirit by His power to change hearts. Do something to communicate truth to your children, your grandchildren, your parents. Parents are trickier, aren't they? They are. They're trickier. You got you to do a little more strategy there. But I would come back to something. Is, is not something always better than nothing? Number six. Joshua commits to a continual reminder of the covenant that the family has made. So look, look at 26. So look at um, Joshua 24, 26. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and he set it up under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. Now, 
I do not believe that Joshua thought rocks talk, okay? I don't think that's what he was saying. I don't think he was saying, all right, we're putting this big stone up right here in this spot, and, and this stone heard every, all your commitments, and it heard what you just said, that you're going to follow the Lord. I don't think that Joshua actually meant that that stone was going to witness to them uh, uh, about what they'd done. Here's what I believe he meant. I, I'm, I think he meant every time you see that big rock, you will remember that you said you were going to follow the Lord. You're going to put away your idols. He does this a bunch. So go back in Joshua 4. Remember when they crossed the Jordan? They crossed the Jordan River. And uh, after they get across, all, 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 the, all of Israel goes across. Once that flood stage, God, God stops the Jordan River. They go across on dry land. And then he has 12 guys, one from each tribe, go back into the river and get a rock. Now, don't, don't you know, if you know guys, you know how this had to go, right? Like the first guy, he gets the biggest rock he can because he don't want to be a sissy, right? And he, he brings that old rock out and he puts it down. All the other guys, what are they, they're looking at that rock. They're going to go find a bigger one, you know? So like that, it was probably like a big old pile of 12 stones, right? And what's the purpose of that, Joshua? Well, he says, verse 21, chapter 4. He said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stone mean, stones mean? You shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. What, what's the purpose of the pile of rocks? The purpose of the pile of rocks is so that you don't ever forget to tell the story. Because what happens? We start not telling the story. And Joshua's like, you need to tell your kids what God has done. Pastor Daniel will tell you that our children's ministry, the engine of it, runs on Psalm 78. Psalm 78, 4 says, We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. What do, what do we aim to do in our children's ministry? We aim to tell them the glorious deeds of the Lord, that God is a creator God, that, that in the fall God redeemed man with, with the promise of redemption, that there was a flood in which God judged the world and saved Noah, and that there was an exodus, and that there were, there were kings and prophets, and the incarnation that God became man, and that there was a kingdom when Jesus healed and taught and showed us what the kingdom was like, and that there was a cross that Jesus died upon to pay for our sins, but he was raised again on the third day, and there's a church now that is proclaiming his gospel to the ends of the earth and he's coming back. We're going to tell those deeds. The glory seeds of the Lord. But not only that, but we're also, we're also going to tell what he's done in us. A key ingredient to as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, is for your family to know what God has done in your life. You know what we call that? We call that a testimony. Here's another great diagnostic question for you, okay? Does your family know how you came to Christ? If you're a Christian here today, does your family know? I bet there's some of you that don't. The reason I say that is because sometimes during marriage counseling and especially premarital counseling, I'll ask, hey, do you know each other's testimony, how you came to Christ? You'd be surprised at how many people, they're married. Like, most intimate, close relationship on the face of the earth. And they don't know that. That's odd, isn't it? I asked my kids last night. We have these tests. Got them around the table. I said, all right, guys. Do you know how your mom became a Christian? 
And do you know how I became a Christian? I really thought, I'm the preacher guy. Like, I'm telling this stuff all the time. I thought, man, I'm going to win this. They knew Emma's testimony down to the details. You know, all of them. They they all knew it. You know, you came to, you're in Florida and, and your mom got really sick and she had a surgery and your aunt came down and she gave you a book. And it was, you know, they even knew some of the details about the book. It was about this girl who had a really rough life and she turned away from God and then at the end she came to came back and and that touched your heart and your aunt Billy led you in, in to put your faith in Christ and and your mom was really upset about it and they knew all that. I said, all right guys, what what about me? Man, it was the most conglomerate I mean, they like had the I, I, evidently, like, I've told it so many different ways, you know, that, I mean, it was, they had, like, elements of it. That, yeah, I mean, they all knew elements of it, but, like, no, I mean, the, and they started arguing. No, it's this, you know, and Avery even had, she had a piece of a story where I was teaching Emma to bat. She'd never learned to bat before, and I got real close and, like, pitched, and, and she, she like, like, you know, Babe Ruthed it and, you know, cracked my skull, you know, and my glass, you know. Avery had that in my testimony, like, like the end of that story in my, you know, and I'm like, man, I, so I've, I'm not, I, I receive rebuke. I've not going to done a good job with my testimony. I told it last night. I was like, no, 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 here it is, you know, and they're going to hear it again and again and again and again. All right. Cause I'm not going down with this, you know, my funeral. They're like, we're not sure he was a Christian. We're not, you know, we, there's debate about how that happened. Not, they're going to know. All right, so that's my application. My kids are going to, they're going to know my testimony. Not only that, but they're going to know the significant moments, spiritual rocks in my life. Looking out at this 11 a.m. service, I know some of you are going to say, my kids are already gone. It's too late. Absolutely not. Let me tell you a story about a guy named Lloyd Elston. Anybody know Lloyd? Anybody know? Remember Lloyd? Okay. Lloyd Elston uh, used to sit right there. And uh, we used to have Sunday night service. And the best thing about Sunday night service was the testimony time. I really hope you guys are doing that in your small groups. If you're not, I'm disappointed. Okay. Because you need to be replicating that in small groups. That, that's a great opportunity where everybody gets to share their victories and their defeat and what's happened. You know, you should be sharing. But we had testimony time. If there was even a little bit of lag in like, Does anybody have a testimony? You know, one second, two second, three second. Lloyd's like, I got one. And he would share his testimony. And he would share he came to faith. And and he he would always end it kind of choking up, saying, just so glad God waited on me. And then he would tell a story about a bull that, that he, you know, remember the bull story? There's the, you know, between him and the other guy and, and, uh, you know, they were at odds over that bull. And, you know, anyway, conviction of the Lord. And he would tell that one. Lloyd did not get saved until his late 60s. But I, and they're not here today. I already scold them, call them out. But the generations of that man's life knew his testimony. Now, Carolyn, his daughter, was probably what? In her 40s when it happened. But she knew her dad's testimony. His grandkids knew their grandpa's testimony. We knew it. So I guess what I'm saying is, I don't care how old you are, how many years you've been a Christian or how old your kids are, they need to know your story of what God has done in your life. They need to know that. All right, what if we don't do this? What if we leave 
and just decide that we're going to do nothing. Turn the page. Book of Judges. Chapter 2, verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders. Remember, Joshua and Caleb are the only ones in their generation. So the rest of these guys are the next generation down. All, all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. So everybody who was in that promised land generation, so probably Joshua's children, so they would have been in their 60s when they went in the promised land, 50s, probably the next generation, his grandchildren in his their 30s, maybe the next one too, I'm not sure what it's including there, but everybody who saw and witnessed what we just read, they all served the Lord. Pretty awesome, huh? But, verse 8, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. They buried him within the boundaries of the inheritance of Timoth Harris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. Verse 10, and all that generation who also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Somebody, a whole bunch of people in that third generation probably, dropped the ball. And they did not communicate to their children the glorious deeds of the Lord. And within one generation, Israel fell. Read that next paragraph. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to the plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned, warned and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. One generation. So here's what I would call you to today. We will not be that generation. Right? We will not be that generation. We will employ all of our efforts to tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. Whatever it takes to make disciples who will make disciples, that's what we will do. Let's ask God for help. God, I pray that you would send us out today. God, send us out to our homes to, to disciple our families, to speak truth, to bear witness to your glorious deeds, to share our testimony, to to live out a life of faith, to share with our neighbors, to be obedient to all that you've taught us because we trust you, because we believe the gospel, because we believe that Jesus, you're our only hope and you're the only hope for anybody. So God, please give us the power of your Holy Spirit. Please bring our houses, our families into the kingdom. In Jesus' name.